You're listening to the Mind Your Business Podcast, episode number 319. Today, you're going to discover the secrets of being a badass coach. So, stay tuned. Hi, I'm James Wedmore, and with 13 years online, I've built my business to over $9 million in sales per year. And this is the first non-business business podcast that shows you how to apply the principles of spirituality, energy, and mindset to create true and lasting success all from the inside out. This is the Mind Your Business Podcast. What is up, ladies and gentlemen? James Wedmore here, your host with the most here on the Mind Your Business Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning into another Monday edition here. We're going to rock your world. We're going to get into in a moment some of the, the habits, the characteristics, the strategies, the mindset, the perspective of effective coaches. And it might not be what you think, but we're going to get into how important this is. I talked about this in my predictions in one of my previous episodes, I don't recall the episode number, but back a few episodes back, we talked about my predictions for 2020, talking about if you're a influencer, personal brand, course creator, membership site owner, et cetera, et cetera, how vitally important it is for you to enhance, to develop, to create a level of mastery of your coaching skills and what that really means to be a coach, not a teacher. Everyone's just a teacher of saying, hey, I've just got a lot of content bundling it all up in a bunch of videos in here. And I know a hundred other people are having the same content in the same videos in the same course at a cheaper price, but pick me because it's more expensive. Yeah, that's not going to work much longer, folks, right? But what people are seeking out today, especially in an age of information overload, they're overwhelmed. Overwhelm is something that's getting in the way for you as performance. Like, I'm overwhelmed. What do you do when you're overwhelmed? How do you feel when you're overwhelmed? How much action do you take when you're overwhelmed? Usually that's when we stop. That's like hitting a brick wall at like 100 miles an hour and you just don't move. So performance goes down to like zero. Well, there are teachers and then there's coaches. A teacher could just be adding to the overwhelm and a coach is going to get you through it. Coaching is about increasing performance. Increasing performance is about getting more results. It's getting those results more effectively with less effort, with less output, okay? And that's what your audience needs, but it's also what they're craving. It's what they're looking for. And in this episode, I'm going to start first in a series of episodes that'll come over time talking about coaching. But before we do that, I want to update you guys. I'm back home in California, here in my hometown of Laguna Beach. And oh my goodness, I go from the beautiful red rocks of Sedona back to this amazing, beautiful Southern California coastline here in Laguna. It's unbelievable. I love it. I love it. These are like my two favorite places going back and forth between them. And we have been talking a lot this month about manifesting your goals. You might've hung out with me on my Instagram account. I did an Instagram live with none other than the manifestation babe herself, Catherine Zinkina. We recorded all of that. We put together an entire four-step manual to actual manifesting, how we look at manifesting, how we use it, how you can start applying it, living it in your life. And that's free. Okay. It's like a free mini course, manifesting mastery in four steps. Head on over to jameswilmer.com forward slash manifesting. That's it. jameswilmer.com forward slash manifesting and get that now. Ahora. That's Spanish for now. <laughs> and it's free. 
you're going to love it. Let me know your feedback over on the grams. Also, I'm going to give another link. Okay. I rarely, and this is a great tip, don't give a bunch of links to people. One call to action per piece of content. But this group has slowly, organically, but successfully been growing. And this is this next call to action for you is only for my most loyal of listeners. If you're the person that comes back week after week because what I have to share from my perspective is something that resonates with you. If what I'm sharing provides value to you, if you're actually taking action, putting into practice what it is I'm sharing, then this next link is for you. I have a group specifically for my most loyal of most awesome listeners of the Mind Your Business podcast, and it's called Beyond the Podcast. This is using a really cool app that I really enjoy called Telegram. So I'm going to give you the link. You're going to have to download the app and it's free. And then you join this private channel. And then every time I basically have a weird thought, which let me tell you, I got a lot of them. I put them in this group, little audio text, little quotes, stuff like that. It's just kind of like beyond the podcast. That's why we called it beyond the podcast. To join us there, and again, only if you're of the most loyal of loyal listeners, it takes an extra step or two. You got to download the app. You got to go find the little link and do 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 right? So that will be jameswilmer.com forward slash beyond, as in beyond the podcast. And we can chat more there between episodes, beyond the episodes. <laughs> okay. Let's get into today's episode. You're here listening today, excited, present, open to receiving new and different information because you also listened to our December 30th episode on the podcast, didn't you? Episode 315, the most valuable skill you can ever learn. By the way, you should go listen to that episode if you have not. You should probably listen to it a second time. The feedback from that one has been off the chain hook, the chain hizzle, and it's all about effective listening and learning skills. It's not what you think. It's is a powerful episode. It's really important. So now that you've listened to that episode, you're going to be really extra present, open to a conversation that we're going to have today that I think you're excited about. It's why you're still here, which is how to be a badass coach. Okay. And again, I gave a little bit of an intro for this, but I'm going to go into basically four things that badass coaches don't do and what you can begin to do instead. It's, it's the things that are the hindrance to you being a badass coach. In other words, just stop doing these and you're going to be a far more effective coach. Just stop doing these four things and you're going to be kicking booty. All right. But why? Why is this important? Why am I talking about this? Here's why. It's needed and it's wanted. I've been around this industry now for 14 years. This is my 14th year. And when I got started, like people were craving information, like they were hungry and they hadn't eaten for days. And now, they are like gluttons on a cruise ship that have just been having Las Vegas buffets for months straight, right? People are like, I'm full, I'm full, I'm full, okay? My metaphors are just getting more and more bizarre. Stay with me. And that's where people are, right? We've reached an epidemic. Uh, I talked about this in our predictions of most people in most industries, you know, Obviously, it's contextual upon which space you're in, but for most spaces, as the sophistication goes up, as more people come into the marketplace, their value, gosh, you guys, if you get this, this is so powerful for you. Their value on how do I establish myself as an authority? How do I establish myself as an expert? How do I be the best is what? What do they do? I'll give more content. I'll teach more things. I'll give more steps. I'll give more action items. I'll give more plans. That's like going to a restaurant 
and you're like, your customer comes in and you're like, here, have this appetizer. Oh, here, you want you want the shrimp? Oh, and you want the egg rolls? And here, have another Diet Coke here. And oh, here's your main course. Oh, I got another one. And all of a sudden, you got a 47-course meal. And then you're like, okay, now will you buy my dinner? <laughs> and they're looking at your food like, hey, this is the most amazing food ever, but I'm going to barf. I'm going to hurl, right? So it's what's needed because people are in a place of, overwhelm. You may be in a place of overwhelm yourself. And again, as I alluded to earlier, notice the state that you're in when you declare that you're overwhelmed as a choice in your life. I'm overwhelmed. What do you do? It's kind of like this resigned, throwing up your arms, stop. It really is like a stop. For most people and for myself especially, when I experience overwhelm, and look, being straight up with you, I've had to deal with a lot of overwhelm because we all do. I'm not immune to it. I know how to get, I, I know I have the antidote to it. Okay. I have the antidote to it. I'll give you the antidote. It's really simple. But what I'm getting at is that whenever I've experienced myself get into a place of overwhelm, I assume I'm like you and I just stop. Like I wasn't getting enough done or whatever, or, or I was like behind or busy or, you know, working, but it you know, wasn't get caught up or whatever the things that's been the catalyst for it. And then as soon as I declare I'm overwhelmed, it's like I go to zero. Production, effectiveness, efficiency, work, performance, it all goes to zero. It's just like I just give up, right? Like, ah, oh, I, can't, I can't do anything. And isn't that funny? It's like you declare overwhelm and you do less. You know, most people don't go, I'm overwhelmed, so let's go faster. Like for a lot of people, it's kind of like this throw your hands up in the air, right? So this is a performance issue. This is what I'm getting at. This is a performance issue. And if you go, I know, I'll give you more content. You're overwhelmed, I'll give you more stuff to do. Are you part of the problem or are you part of the solution? I say you're part of the problem. So overwhelm is the symptom that, you know, maybe too much content, all that stuff can be what's causing that, right? And so being a coach and being a great coach for your community and your audience can become an antidote. And it's something that's needed because you can actually coach someone out of overwhelm. Ha <laughs> ha, right? You can coach someone out of overwhelm, okay? So it's what's needed. It's what's gonna make the difference. We're gonna go into the definition, my definition, what it looks like, the difference between, we're gonna get into all that in a second. But I think a lot of people think of great coaches, and this is such a mistake, and you have to coach your audience out of this, just tell me what to do. Just tell me what to do and tell me everything I wanna hear. A lot of our students, when they come in, that's what they do. Just tell me what to do and tell me what I wanna hear. And if you're the, just tell me what I wanna hear, that's happening at a subconscious level, go back a couple episodes to 315, that'll really click for you, okay? And if you're operating as a coach that way, if I'm just going to tell you what to do and I'm going to tell you what you want to hear to make you happy, you're already not being a badass coach. And we'll get into that in a moment. But the truth is, is we leaned heavily into what it means to be a coach, how does effective coaching work, all of that obsessively. I've obsessed over it for the past two, two and a half years, if I'm being pretty accurate. It's over two years now. I've had the privilege and opportunity of personally training over 25 people to become coaches. I'm talking people that weren't a coach and are now effectively badass coaches. We internally created our own coaching methodology, which is pretty phenomenal. And we're still building upon that methodology. We've seen our coaches just change lives, like just extraordinary from like a single comment, a single word, a single question 
completely unbelievable. And I'm going to start to share some of that with you guys here today. I've also seen our coaches, their lives skyrocket. And that's what's really exciting is that your ability to coach effectively others must be preceded by you coaching yourself effectively and being coached, which means it's such an exciting game to want to be a great coach because the prerequisites required for that completion of that game means some pretty awesome, spectacular stuff has to have happened in your life. In other words, in order to cause or be the catalyst for breakthroughs in another person's life, you got to experience some pretty badass breakthroughs yourself. So it becomes a really fun journey. It's like I grow and then I get to help you grow, right? And that's just like juicy. It's so juicy, right? So, hey, listen, a lot of people have been asking us, James, when are you going to share your coaching methodology? When are you going to share how you're doing this? And the answer is I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if we ever will. I don't know if I want to. We do train coaches in-house and everything. But I figured at least because so many people are asking, it's best to just like at least create a spot for those individuals that are interested. So if this is something that you're interested in learning more about, if I have any updates, when I have updates, here's how you can get those updates. jameswilmer.com forward slash how to coach. You just submit your email there. And uh, anybody on that list is going to get updates on if we ever decide to share more about what it is that we're doing to take awesome people and make them into badass coaches. Okay. So let's get into some of the stuff today. First, we got to start. I always like to start with like a, a Google definition of coach. And the first thing I got was like a carriage or buggy. I'm like, what? Oh yeah. Like a coach. And then there's like coach in like an airplane, right? Like you're, oh, you're back in coach, right? There's all these other, this is other like definitions for words. And it's like, oh yeah, uh, forget. So like the third definition of coach is someone who gives specialized teaching. I don't like that definition. A coach is someone who gives specialized teaching. Me no likey, no me gusta. My definition, and here's why, by the way, before I give my definition, specialized teaching is just a teacher or a professor, right? Transference of knowledge is a teacher. I know something and now I'm going to communicate it using language of sorts as a tool to take that knowledge that I know and put it into your brain. Here's the thing. You all know to be kind, You all know to be loving. You all know that gratitude is a state of being, energetic frequency that to the degree in which you are in gratitude is a degree in which you will allow in your life. It's beautiful. So, okay. But how much of your day is spent being kind? How much of your day is spent being loving, being in gratitude? How much of your day is spent choosing happiness as a way of being, as a path in your life? You know all these things but are you doing them? And the truth is, is we're not. All of us aren't because we're in our stuff. We've got our lessons to learn and we've got a million gajillion distractions. We've got our ego and we can't always see the mirror that is our life. We see life through our filter and perspective, but we don't always see, we rarely see ourselves reflected in that. Like think about that for a moment. You experience life through your eyes, so you're experiencing your filtered, distorted version of the world, but how often do you get to see yourself in the context of your life outside of yourself without any filtered distortion? If you're not understanding what I'm saying, rewind what I just said until it clicks for you, okay? 
how often are you seeing yourself outside of yourself objectively without a distorted filter? Very rarely. Very rarely. That's what a great coach does. That's what a great coach has the ability to do. Okay? Just going to let that sink in. And then a coach becomes someone who, as a result of that, bottom line, helps you increase performance and results. I could help someone here. I could help any listener here that's willing and coachable. That becomes part of something that we're going to talk about today. Increase performance and results in their business without me teaching you a thing. So a coach and a teacher are two different things. I don't like the dictionary definition. It's very funny. Like most dictionary definitions that I come across for that I do episodes on are awful definitions. Like the definition of an introvert is a shy, awkward recluse. You can go look that up. It's a recluse. That is not what an introvert is. That's silly. That's so silly, right? So, you know, don't believe everything you read, especially in the dictionary. We kind of grew up saying like, well, you know, if it's in the dictionary, it must be the agreed upon truth. Well, where's that? Where's that in writing? Anyway, who's this Webster guy? Give me this this Webster. Let me talk to Webster. Get him on the phone. (laughs) Who's this Webster guy? All right. So that's not my definition is to just give specialized teaching. How many things do you already know that you're not putting into practice? Okay. All right. So my definition is going to lean more towards as a responsibility. This isn't as much of a definition as it is. What is the responsibility? What is the role of an effective badass coach is to increase performance and results for your client. Okay. And you can actually do that without teaching a thing. Like no joke. Okay. Here's this like weird metaphor. Again, I I always give my disclaimer of weird metaphors. Here's like in a weird, weird way, what a great coach is doing. You remember that game you played as a kid where your parents or a friend hid something and then you had to go look for it and they're like, colder, colder, warmer, warmer. That's what a great coach does. They're the person going colder, colder, warmer, warmer. Because they give clues and they give hints that guide you into the right direction. But in that game, at the end of the day, you had to find for yourself that missing thing. You may not even know what it was you were looking for. Hey, I've hit something for you and it's somewhere in this house. Colder, cold, right? And so you're on this journey and it's like looking, looking, getting closer, getting closer. And then you discover it for yourself. Oh, I found it. It's not a very fun game when that person goes, okay, I've hid something in this house and it's in that kitchen drawer right over there. Go, right? And so as a coach, what a lot of coaches are doing or teachers are doing, course creators, et cetera, is they're doing exactly that. And this is called robbing someone of a lesson. Not only do you rob them of a lesson, but if you go back to 315, people don't even hear your advice They don't even hear what you're saying because they have selective hearing and we distort so much of what is said. And if it disagrees with our existing, you know, worldview or perspective, then we don't even consciously accept it at all. Okay. So it's a big one. All right. So that's kind of this fun, like warmer, warmer, warmer. Ah, I just, I found it myself, right? The coach is just kind of like guiding and leading. Okay. So hopefully that gives a good enough, like, little frame or definition, but let's just jump into these four things. So these are four things that badass coaches don't do. Okay. And you know, badass is just some word 
I came up with that really just means like an effective coach that, that actually helps people. So here's the first one. Wow, this is really simple. They don't give unsolicited coaching. Oh my goodness. This is so important. This and this is the don't don't misconstrue this as too basic here because this is everything. In order to be an effective coach, there must be any relationship, a relationship that gets established and created between the coach and the client, the coach and the student. You get into an agreement, whether it's explicit or unexplicit. For example, the moment someone buys business by design, they are in a, you know, it's an, not necessarily an individually explicitly agreed upon coaching arrangement, but them signing up saying, yes, I want to learn from you puts them into that agreement. Okay. So as that role I take on, that person who invests in one of my programs is uh, at, at, at any level, you know, at a, in our coaching programs, in our mastermind levels, they are agreeing to that, whether they like verbally said it or not, it's implied, it's implicit. So what I really mean is somebody that isn't a client, someone who hasn't already given you money, invested in themselves by, you know, paying you, maybe you're just like, a friend, a family member, you know, like, hey, I'd like to, I'm going to practice my my coaching skills. So I'm just going to start coaching people. Or you're like in a Facebook group or you're at an event and you just start coaching people. Don't do that. Don't do that for many reasons. First of which is that this is a sacred relationship and environment that gets created between the coach and the client. And great coaching, which we'll get into in a moment, in these further examples, you're going to be asking some questions that challenges them, it pushes them, it, it brings forth emotional you know, states that make them uncomfortable. And if you're doing that with someone without permission, that's a violation of them. You know, That's going to come off as rude, pushy, disrespectful. And you're going to get responses that aren't what you want. And you're going to begin to abandon your coaching tools because you're going to say they're not, they don't work. Oh, this didn't work. I don't want to do that again. And it's not that it didn't work. It's that you didn't set the relationship, the boundaries or the environment for that to take place. Okay. So I see a lot of people giving unsolicited advice and unsolicited coaching. They just start going into coaching and the person didn't agree to that. So you're not going to get the best response from 90% of people. And then you're going to use that to evaluate your coaching skills and your strategies in the future. It's a big no-no, okay? So an agreement must be there. So for example, let's say you're in a free group that's somebody else's group and someone asks a question and you see something that they don't see. There's something that appears in their post, their comment that you recognize, that you notice, that you see an opportunity for coaching for and they don't. Well, then you say that. And it, maybe you need to do it in a private place, not publicly for all these other people because you got to keep that in mind too, is that if you're doing this in a public place like a group, even if it's a private group, other people see it, okay? And you just go, hey, Cindy, and you go into this like, you know, kind of ego, yeah, not kind of, really ego-threatening post or question, that's not going to bode well, okay? Not at all. So instead, it might be like, hey, Cindy, I love this post. And there's something I saw in it that I think I had some questions about. Would you be interested in some coaching? I think there'd be really be something that could open up for you in this. Okay. And they're either going to say yes or no. They say no, you have to respect another human being's wishes. Okay. Now, it would be even more effective if it's if it's more private, okay, in the more intimate, you know, private situation. But to just go into some like, bam, when you're not already their coach. Yeah, it's no bueno. Okay. So 
Effective, badass coaches know that. They know that the first step is creating this relationship with the coach and the client because it becomes a commitment on both ends. The client opts into a relationship where they are agreeing to be coachable. They are saying, yes, coach me. And, you know, people can still agree and then not be coachable. That's, a, that's another question or another conversation. But there's at least the intent for being coachable. Okay, there's a lot of opportunities when someone says, yes, I'm going to be coachable. And then they're not being coachable. There's a lot of coaching that could be done around that. But we're talking about foundational levels, getting into this relationship where the person says, yes, I agree for you to coach me. Okay, that's going to make your life easier. It's going to help them a lot more. Otherwise, you're just attacking them and their ego is going to flare up and they're going to think you're making them wrong. And, you know, then it just becomes a right or wrong thing. It's just no bueno. And I just see it all the time. Gosh. Oh, boy. All right. So that's the first one. Don't take that. It's too simple. Okay. Because that's you not being coachable. (laughs) Okay. Number two, what badass coaches don't do is what they understand is that value is not equated to advice. Again, a great coach knows the distinction and the difference between teaching and coaching. And what they primarily avoid doing is being advice givers, let alone unsolicited advice givers, okay? Because it really doesn't work as much as you'd like it to do. How many times can you just think of anyone in your life that you have given them, someone you care about, someone you love, someone in your life that you have given them advice that you know in your heart of hearts is really good advice. Obviously, you don't give bad advice. You really know it's good advice. And they're not listening. You can see them not listen. You can see them not take that advice time and time and time and time again. Okay? It doesn't work. Unsolicited advice is far less effective. Giving advice is not the highest form of value. Go back to episode 315, and this is really going to sink in. If a part of you still doesn't agree to this, that's fine. Go back and listen to 315, and you'll see why advice really isn't working. And being a coach is not being an advice giver. Being an advice giver is basically saying, presupposes, I know best, and I know what's best for you. Great coaches know that they don't know what's best for their clients. How would I know? What's best for you? It's like, it, here, here's a, it's a real simple example. Let's go back to the like eating at a restaurant. If I'm your coach, we go out to dinner and the server goes, what do you want? And I look at you and I look at the server and I say, she'll have the meatloaf. That's what's best for her. You're sitting there going, but I wanted the salmon. I really felt like salmon. I know what's best for you. You're getting the meatloaf. Now shut up and eat it. Okay. That's really what advice. I know what's best. Okay. And then if you don't agree with any of that, it becomes again, an argument of right or wrong and who's a better arguer. Okay. And that's just such a waste of everyone's energy. A great coach is not going to lead in the value they deliver by just telling people what to do, how to do it. And here's all the advice, which 
As coaches, you will fall into that trap because most people have not had effective coaching in their life and they show up in a coaching or teaching environment with just tell me what to do. Just tell me what to do and tell me exactly what I want to hear. I actually want you to tell me what to do, but I already have an idea of what I want to do. And so you better tell me the same thing that's already existing in my brain as my belief of what I think is the right thing to do. So it has to all confirm with what I already think is the right thing to do, and but I want you to tell me it. That's not like a lot of value, okay? So it's easy to fall into that trap. Just tell me what to do. Okay, well, now here, I'll tell you what to do. A badass coach doesn't just do that. Okay, well, you know, all right, here's what to do, all right? Because that robs them of a lesson. They don't learn it. They don't discover their blind spots, what's getting in the way for them that they can't see, okay? And I really like to say that advice giving is, is really the lowest form of value. Everyone can give advice. Everyone does give each other advice and they're giving it unsolicitedly, okay? So don't rob someone of a lesson. Give them the opportunity for them to discover it themselves. How do you do that? It's through great questions. Great questions. You know, I've, you've heard me say it a million times, right? Richard Bannon said, the quality of your life is determined by the quality of questions you ask, okay? But with a question, see, this is what it is. So if I give you a piece of information, then what happens is, imagine it's like a gift, or like we can use the, uh, the metaphor from that previous episode. I give you a link in a chain, just a chain link. And then I give you the chain link. What you do with that chain link is up to you. You either sift, sort it, you go, where does this fit with everything else I think is real about this you know, video game that we're in? And then you go, no, it doesn't fit anywhere. And you reject it. Nope, sorry. Okay. But if I ask it as a question... I'm not giving you a chain link. I'm forcing you to think. I'm forcing you to turn the flashlight on in your life and look around at what you haven't looked at yet through a great question, a powerful, simple question. So in a risk of being oversimplistic, a great coach is not simply giving advice, telling people what to do and how to do it. Anybody can do that. A great coach is asking great questions. In fact, that really becomes a prerequisite. Most people are asking themselves really crappy questions. Like, why is this happening to me? Why do I always do this? Why don't I make as much money as my sister-in-law? <laughs> why, why, why? Right, right, all these crappy questions. Now, a great coach isn't going to say, why, <laughs> why has this always happened to you? They're going to ask a way more effective question. You know, what would happen if you were making more money than your sister-in-law? What do you think is preventing you from doing that, right? Some better questions. Wow, you can start being a, a more badass coach simply by asking better questions than your client has been asking themselves. But here's the thing. When you ask that question, even at a subconscious level, they're forced to go looking for that answer. So watch this. So just stay present right now. And if I say, what's one thing that if you accomplished in 2020 would have you call 2020 your best year yet? What's one thing that if you accomplished it and experienced it in any area of your life before the end of the year, that one thing would have you declare this is your best year yet? Notice if you're actually paying attention and present in this episode, you can't avoid looking for the answer. You can't not start looking for it. The subconscious mind is like going to work, looking, thinking, 
visualize it. And there it is. Maybe it's kind of hidden and blurred way out in the background, like because you're afraid to acknowledge it and bring it front and center, right? So imagine the impact you begin to have someone's life when you just continue to ask these better questions. Instead of why is this happening? Why is this why do I suck? Why am I so stupid? You know? Okay. So that's the second one. Badass coaches don't rely on just giving advice all day long as their form of value distribution. Here's the next one. Great coaches don't cheerlead. Oh my goodness. I create that distinction all the time. There's a big difference, you know, like on a football team between a cheerleader and a coach. The cheerleader is a fantastic metaphor. The cheerleader is going to say, win, 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 rah, 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 you know, team, 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 no matter what's happening on the field. Do you notice that? Have you ever noticed that a football game, no matter what is happening on the field, the cheerleader is saying, go, 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 rah, 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 win, 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 defense, offense, right? No matter what's happening on the field, the cheerleader is, is just the positive affirmation. It's the Instagram quote. It's the Hallmark card. I'm not saying you don't need that in your life. It's so fantastic to have an amazing support system. It's not a requirement, by the way. It's not a requirement. The meaning you put on the feedback and support you're getting on your life, it's a requirement that that's in alignment with your goals. What did that mean, James? Well, what it means is, for me, I was the type of person that was more motivated when people didn't believe in me. Because there's just some sort of context in my life where I'm just driven by proving people wrong. <laughs> and so, it just sounds so funny to say. It's like, I love to prove someone wrong. And uh, I just mean about myself. I don't mean in like making somebody wrong. But I mean, when someone wants to say, oh, you can't do it. Or, oh, that's not possible. Or that's not as easy as you think. Or whatever. I'm like, I can't wait to be the proof of the opposite of their belief. I'm not saying I want to sit there and argue with them and make them wrong. I'm saying I want to be the shining example that says, I did it anyways. That drives me. That, that's always driven me. Now, I was very fortunate. You know, I, my family supported me. They didn't understand anything I was doing, but they still supported me. And that helps. It really does help, but it's not essential. It's not required. You don't need a single person on the friggin' planet to support you or believe in you in order to make your biggest, wildest dreams a success. I really want you to get that. It's not a requirement. It helps. It makes things easier, but you didn't sign up for easy. No matter how tough it is out there, you're tougher. And so it's great to have that. It really is great to have the cheerleading, the coaching, and the support system. Don't get me wrong. But that's not what a great coach does. And if you think that's what your coach is there to do is just to feed you compliments and say, you can do it. But in your mind, you're saying, I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this. And a coach just goes, you can do it. Oh, wait, what? I can? I didn't even realize I could do it. But now that you tell me I can do it, I guess I can do it. No, that's not great coaching. So great coaches don't cheerlead. They coach. And if you look at a coach on the team, you know, in a simplistic sense, they're rewarding positive behavior and they're punishing ineffective behavior. Okay. You'll see a coach when the, when a player is getting lazy, you know, he, he kind of drags his feet on the last five yards into the end zone, or he's getting negligent or he drops the ball or he's, you know, he's not tackling right. He's not keeping his center of gravity low enough. The coach slams a clipboard on the ground and he calls him out on his ish. Okay. Calls him out. He's willing to call the player out when they're not operating from the fundamentals that they know about the game. 
And I remember this. I remember this growing up. Gosh darn it, Wedmore, get low. <laughs> okay. Keep your eye on the ball. Yeah, it's like the things that you know that you're not doing, the coach is calling you out on that. Now, again, I'm not saying great coaches all scream and yell at the top of their lungs and their you know, veins are popping out of their necks and their faces all beat cherry red and there's steam coming out of their ears. Everyone's got their own style of coaching. But notice that there's a big difference between no matter what performance somebody is doing in their life. And you're, so you're, you're the coach and you're observing your client and they're performing out in life, whether it's in the arena of fitness, you know, weight loss, nutrition, or maybe it's in finding their soulmate or it's in growing a business or, you know, something else entirely. And you're watching them have ineffective thoughts, behaviors, beliefs, and actions that will have them lose the game that they've created. And you just sit there and say, you got this, you're going to win. It's okay. Go, go, go. Rah, rah, rah. You're awesome, awesome, awesome. That doesn't serve the client. Okay. But I'm afraid that they'll get offended. I'm afraid I'm going to hurt their feelings. Okay. This buckle up for this one. A lot of people trying to be a coach are opting in for being the Hallmark card Instagram quote. I'm just going to shower you with positivity it's putting whipped cream on garbage because beneath all of that, they fear that they're going to offend their client. I'm telling you right now, you operate with fear and you put that into the relationship. It's like a drop of black ink in a clear glass of water. You are tainting the relationship. And here's one of the reasons why. The moment you show up to somebody who's a client and you stand for them saying, I see them as infinite potential. We'll talk about this in the next one. Possible of anything. Anything is possible for them. And then you say, there's something I really need to call them out on. There's something I need to point out to them that I know is going to make the difference for them. And I want everything for them, but I don't want to upset them. This is going to hurt their feelings. What you are actually doing is you are seeing and experiencing and projecting the belief that this person is weak. You are now declaring that they don't have what it takes to handle your coaching. They're weak. They're not strong enough. They don't have enough power. Now, what kind of coach are you? Seeing your clients as weak? I'm going to sugarcoat it and water it down because they can't handle me. Wow. That's selfish. You want to notice and begin to recognize where you're doing that. When you don't filter water down or sugarcoat what you got to say, it will not only have so much more power, but you'll also be relating with your client so much more powerfully because they'll get a sense of knowing that you know how powerful that they are. You know how strong they are. You know how resilient they are. Look, it's just, I, I've been wanting to sit, but I just don't, don't get mad. Okay. Are you, are you sitting down? Oh, you're driving. Okay. Pull over. Okay. Look, I just, Here's the thing. And, 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 and just, 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 just hold on for a sec. They're not weak. Okay? So give it to them straight. In your style, of course. But there's a big difference between cheerleading and saying like, yeah, I know, but I'm just going to give them, I'm just going to praise them with enough compliments that hopefully they'll believe it. Well, is that working? Maybe like a little bit. Feels nice to hear some compliments. You can still give compliments. But there's a big difference between cheerleading and coaching. And badass coaches don't cheerlead. They coach. Okay. I've done 
One, two. I'm on three. I have five. Oh my goodness. Okay. But they kind of all blend together. So this is really good. Okay. This is number four. Badass coaches don't buy into their clients' BS. When you listen to episode 315, we talk about people having their own like worldview or perspective, right? So someone's in a problem because their worldview and perspective doesn't align with the outcome that they want. So when someone, a client comes to you with a problem, their problem is the result of whatever perspective that they've chosen, a belief that they're operating from, et cetera, et cetera, right? A situation that they're in that is being colored, distorted, obscured by whatever perspective they are holding, Okay, this is really important stuff. So they're complaining, they're describing the problem, right? And they're describing the situation as a problem from their perspective. Badass coaches don't, they, they'll acknowledge the perspective, but they don't buy into that perspective as this perspective is the way it is. It's not the way it is. Yeah, you're right. Look, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna say this. I had a, I had a coach who did that to me and it was awful. Uh, way, 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 way back in the day, I had a big breakdown. And I've talked about this breakdown before. And they said something to me that just made it worse. It just scared the bejesus out of me. It was a, basically when I was, <laughs> oh my goodness, I had had the biggest expense month ever. I was like scared. All my beliefs came up that this was the end. Everything I was doing was wrong. It was a mistake. And this is the beginning of the end of my business. And I just had this like venting thought. And I said, I just want to go back to the old days where it was just me and a VA, you know, making $100,000 a year. And it's just me and a VA. Like, why can't I just do that? And I'll never forget. It was in a really vulnerable place. The person just said, yeah, I don't blame you. What? Like, I didn't know how to react to that because it's almost like, I'm in a bad place and I need someone to take a stand for me because I can't stand for myself right now. I'm in a bad place. And when someone is just like, yeah, you probably should just go back. <laughs> like that's how I received it, right? Yeah, you probably should just go back to the way things were and go back to the old you, the plane smaller, the plane safer, you know? Yeah. I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. When someone comes, your client comes to you with their you know, their, their problems, their struggles, emotions, all that stuff. You know, there's a stance they've taken. There's a perspective that they've taken. We can come with love and compassion, but you got, and this, this takes, you know, something. It really does take, it's a balance. It's a dance. There's to acknowledge someone's perspective, to hear what they have to say, to make them feel heard, to see where they're coming from, but not for you to also be to hold that same perspective, to come from that same place. You're not doing anything. You're just agreeing with them. And that's what friends do when they go, you know, talk about each other's problems. They just buy into each other's problems. Yeah, I know. Oh my God. I can't believe she did that. Oh my goodness. What a B, right? That's you being a good friend is buying into their world and agreeing with it as its truth. And I see this all the time. And a lot of it is like too much sympathy, too much compassion. Because here's the thing, there's something called a secondary gain, okay? So people will do things, they will play victim in their life, they'll play at effect in their life where they'll start to complain, they'll blame, 
And they are looking for a secondary gain. They are looking for a benefit for doing that. We all do it, guys. We're human beings. I am not immune to this. It's just I recognize when I'm doing it. And sometimes, most of the time, not all the times, I'm able to catch myself. Now you can because you know this. And you know, we go and just have this bad day where it's like, it's so much easier to just play at effect in my life and complain and blame and say, it's because of my life is the way it is because of everyone else but me. And then when someone else says, I totally get it, you know, and yeah, that sucks. That enables when you're doing that in a coaching relationship. Now, again, please hear me. You have a spouse, you have a loved one, you have family and friends and again, first, the first mistake I said was people just enter into coaching relationships unsolicitedly. So I'm saying in a coaching relationship that you have with a client that you have agreed upon, be mindful. A great badass coach does not buy into the BS world and enable that perspective, that, that, those limiting beliefs. They do not enable avoiding responsibility. They do not enable being at effect in their life. They do not enable a way of being, a way of operating that is, yes, let's blame others. Let's complain. Let's blame. If you're doing that, you're not being a great coach and you have to recognize that. Now, again, when your friends and family and spouses and loved ones do that, are you playing the role of a coach or are you playing the role of a loved one? I've had to learn and it wasn't easy for me. I'm a dude who knows how to coach that a lot of times <laughs> all the women are going to laugh. My wife doesn't need coaching from me. She just needs me to listen. Even when I can see something that I know she doesn't see, just like she can see things in me that I can't see. I need to sit there and say, yeah, Cindy is a B. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so understand the role. And when you're, in the role of being a coach to your client, the vast majority, if not 100% of the time, when they're in that you know, blame and complain mode, they are looking for some sort of benefit. They're looking for a secondary gain, right? You know, they say something like, it's too hard, I just can't do it. I know, I know it's hard. That's okay, you're doing your best. You're great. That's enabling, you know? Whereas instead, you can just say, well, what if it were easy? How can you make this easier? What can you do to make this so that you can do it? So that challenges the at effect behavior. You're saying here, I'm up here and I've raised my hand high up in the air and I say, come meet me up here, get up here, <laughs> okay? Let's not just go, oh, let's just stay down here and not do anything. So the fourth thing that badass coaches will never do is they will not buy into their client's BS. I hope you got that one. Okay, here's the last one that I have for you. And this is important. And it's really what's preventing all these other things from happening. A badass coach doesn't care about being liked. They do not care about being liked. They do not care about being right. They don't care about being wrong. They do not operate from right or wrong paradigms. They don't operate from needing to be liked to needing to be smart, needing to look good, any of that. And again, it's what I already talked about here, but a lot of coaches are too afraid to say what needs to be said because they don't want to offend. They don't want to have their client disagree with them. And if they disagree with them, that they won't like them and they won't keep coaching with them. They won't renew with them. They won't keep paying for them. Wow, that's so empowering. That's so inspiring, right? Look, a coaching arrangement, a great arrangement, like if I opt into you know, being coached, 
I'm already implicitly knowing that this is going to be difficult and challenging. It's not meant to be Candyland. Otherwise, that's not great coaching. A great coach knows that. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be challenging because you're challenging the existing links of someone's chain that they have been so fighting for and holding on to for years. And you got you to gotta start to chisel away at those. And that's not Candyland. That's a bumpy road for most people. Coaching is meant to be tough when it's done right. Okay. So again, like if it's if you're just to cheer them on, like be the cheerleader, and then they get a friend. <laughs> okay. So it's tough. You can call it tough love. I don't even really like the term. I mean, it's it doesn't have to be tough. It's love. It's love towards their higher self, not their ego. So when I'm in a coaching relationship with anyone, I am looking at them and experiencing them as infinite potential, not full potential, infinite potential. And then I see like there's the ego. There's the part of them that wants to argue for their limitations. And when you can recognize the difference between the two and notice when it's the ego is coming up, the part of them that wants to stay safe, that wants to stay small, that wants to argue for who they've been and what will work and what won't and what will happen if they don't, it's in that moment you have a choice, right? Are we going to buy into the ego and coddle that ego or are we going to start to push, you know, push it away? You know, that's, that's the choice that we have. And so it's a hard thing. You know, it's hard for a coach. It takes courage. It takes something to be able to say, I am committed to serve at the highest level that I know how to serve for this individual, committed to them getting the biggest breakthroughs and having the greatest experience of results. Actually, the experience could be really bumpy and uncomfortable, but the, the results, the performance and the breakthroughs being at the highest level, it's, it's in their highest good. And I'm completely free of their egos, judgments, opinions, and thoughts about me. You know, and that's tricky because like we want to stay in a rapport with our clients, you know, there needs to be like an agreement there. But I'm clear and I learned this long ago, you don't need to like me in order for me to help you. And I don't need to be liked. I really don't, I don't really care about that. As a person, as James, I, it's important for me to be liked. I want my wife to like me. <laughs> I want my friends and family to like me, you know, but it's a job. And in that job, I step into a role, I put on those shoes and I fill that role. And I can do that without saying, oh, I, I, what, if, what, what will she think of me? What will he say? I'm free of that in my coaching role. And then the day is over and I, Mr. Rogers, take off my shoes and I go back to my normal little life. And that's the end of it. And I have the people I care about and I want them to care about me. And, you know, I go into my stuff and I hope they like me. Right. But that's, but that's in my personal life. And I'm, you know, I deal with that. But as a coach, yeah. And that's the thing is people say, but James, I have such a hard time. That's why I'm saying this. I have such a hard time with like needing to be liked and stuff. And it's, it's really, I'm starting to recognize it and say, yeah, great. Need to be liked. Go ahead. You know, by the people you like, but you're doing a massive disservice. If your coaching is showing up from the place of, I need you to like me. I'm going to say what needs to be said to get you to like me. Not, I'm going to say what needs to be said because it needs to be said because it's what's going to make the difference for you. That's a big difference, my friend. So let me recap really quickly because we've been going on here 
Oh, it's like perfect. Right up to an hour. I love it. Okay. So we're having a conversation here early in 2020. It was based on one of my predictions of how important it's going to be vital for you to be to step up as a fantastic coach if you want to be a, a great leader to your industry and your market and actually get more people results. How many people just take courses and then go through all the content and they don't get any results because they're overwhelmed. They don't take the action. They need a coach. They need someone who can help them get access to more action at a higher performance level. And that's what you can do. And so what I wanted to share here is five characteristics, patterns, beliefs, behaviors that badass coaches have that I want to make sure that you don't have. To recap, they don't give unsolicited coaching. They know that step number one is they have to enter into a relationship and an agreement with the client. Number two, they don't give advice. Now, advice might show up and whatnot, and it happens, but it's not what they lead with, okay? And they definitely don't give unsolicited advice. They're not cheerleaders. A badass coach is not a cheerleader and just a compliment giver. They're not a human walking, talking Hallmark card. Number four, they won't buy in. They'll never buy into their clients. Yes. People will argue for it. When people are in a problem, they will argue for the problem. You don't understand. This is why this is a problem. And you can, as a great coach, let that person know you hear them and hear why they see it as a problem and then show them how it's not. And number five, they don't ever operate from a need to be liked or loved or receive anything. Oh my gosh, so this just came up for me. So a little bonus here. They also don't need credit. Oh my God. I, I thought this was the same thing, but it, I'm just like realizing as I'm saying this, it's not. I can't tell you, OMG, coach, first of all, is the most one of the most rewarding, fulfilling things you'll ever do and is the most thankless and creditless thing. If you're doing it right, you should get zero credit. You should get zero thanks if you're doing it right. And if you're doing it because you want the credit, get out of here. <laughs> just get out. Wait, what are you, what are you, you going to do with the credit? What are you going to do with the credit? You can go cash that in the bank like, hey, I, you know, I can't pay my bills, but I do have some credit from my students that credit me to their success. What's that good for? Can I pay my bills with that? If you're going around seeking credit, that's a whole other episode we need to dive into. But that to me, that makes me sick. And I say all this with love. It's tough love. Sure, you know, oh, James is getting angry. No fighting for the best version of yourself and it's your ego, it's going around and then I, I see this all the time. There's a little vomit in my mouth. Someone will coach somebody and then they want to like chase them around the internet and saying like, hey, I taught you that or hey, you got this because of me or you need to give me credit since you're now doing this. Get out of here. No, you didn't. Don't ever do that. You just took away everything that you made available for that person by saying, it's you. I completely understand when I'm working with someone, I'll offer what I have to offer, but I'm just putting it there in front of them and it's them who's choosing to pick it up or throw it away. And having someone pick something up and put it into use and use it takes a lot from them. Do not take that away from them that they did that because you coached them. Ugh, you're just bringing your ego into the mix. Makes me sick. <laughs> I sound angry, but you know, unfortunately you get a lot of this type of ego and crap in, in our industry. And you think anyone's gonna wanna work with you when you have a reputation of, oh yeah, that person will help, but they're gonna take all the credit and they're gonna make sure everyone else knows. Jeez. Anyway, all right. 
<laughs> so that was the bonus one. All right. Was this helpful? Let me know on the Instagram that you found this valuable. Even if you're like James Allen and Coach, you better start seeing yourself as one. Okay. These are biggies. Biggies. Yeah. Let me know. Let me know on the Instagram. Thank you so much for hanging out with me, spending your Monday with me or whenever you're listening to this. And we got more amazing episodes coming your way. So we'll see you soon here on the Mind Your Business Podcast. Take care. Did you know eight out of 10 businesses fail within their very first 18 months? I believe being an entrepreneur means unlearning everything that we've been taught our entire lives about what it really means to be successful, which is why I've created a brand new audio program entitled Activate. I want to show you how to think, act, and behave like the successful entrepreneur that you were meant to be so you can step into the vision that you have for your life and your business. And the best part is this program is yours absolutely free. To register right now, simply visit www.jameswedmore.com forward slash activate and we can get started right now.